Welcome to the Pre-Snap Podcast presented by LineStar, all things fantasy football plus sports betting analysis. I'm Shannon Somerville. On today's show, the dogs and the frogs, TCU and Georgia going head-to-head in the national f- championship game on Monday night at SoFi Stadium for the college football national championship title. We'll tell you where the best value is for sports betting. Plus, this weekend, week 18 in the NFL, two wildcard spots up for grabs. We will tell you which teams we think will nab those two golden tickets. Right now, I'm bringing in our analyst from SportsGrid, PicksWise, and VEASAN. Mark Zinno is joining us to give his analysis. Mark, thanks so much for joining us. Happy New Year. Shannon, same to you. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to talk some uh, college football national championship and NFL with you. You're joining us from Atlanta, and you were at the game on Saturday night. So I have to ask you, which do you think inflicted more emotional damage on Ohio State Buckeyes fans? Was it the traffic that I know you're a big fan of in Atlanta, or was it Bulldogs fans celebrating on that last-minute miss field goal? Yeah, well, the, the, the traffic they were stuck in getting out of there was only the insult to the injury of losing that game <laughs> after having a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter. So I'm sure Ohio State, uh, nobody in Ohio is a fan of the state of Georgia right now. So the stage is now set. You've got the Georgia Bulldogs, the powerhouse of the SEC, defending national champions, going up against TCU, the Cinderella story of college football before the season started. They were picked to finish seventh in the Big 12. Now here they are on the biggest stage in college football. Georgia comes into this one 12 and a half point favorites that had been 13 and a half, nearly double TCU's largest underdog spot of the season. What do you make of this large point spread for Georgia? Well, obviously, Georgia's a respected team uh, from both odds makers and betters alike. I mean, there's no reason to think that Georgia couldn't cover this number. The look-ahead line prior to both the semifinal games was Georgia laying 16.5. So this number has actually come down since both those games have been played. Remember, Georgia only led for a minute and 49 seconds, a total of a minute and 49 seconds in the Peach Bowl, but good enough to win. Uh, and even though they didn't cover the closing line of minus five, Georgia's in the national championship once again. And for TCU, it was a shock that not a lot of people thought they could win that game outright. Some people thought they would cover, but the fact that they beat Michigan, uh, being seven and a half point underdogs in that game, says a lot about where they are. Now, they did get a little bit of help from Michigan as they threw two pick sixes in that game, but still, you take those away, Shannon. And TCU still put up 37 points against one of the best defenses in the country. So from that standpoint, I think when you see this number go from the opening line of 13 and a half down to 12, and even though there is some money coming back in, moving this number back closer to 13 and 13 and a half, there's a lot of respected betters on TCU right now, both public and sharps, who believe that TCU can cover this number. Now, you talked about Georgia and that narrow victory over Ohio State. Now, Stetson Bennett, a big part of that, 190 yards in the fourth quarter, the most by any player in the college football, biggest comeback in the fourth quarter by any college football team in the playoffs. What do you see for Bennett's matchup this week going up against a TCU defense, a bend-or-break bend defense, and they handled the physicality of Michigan quite well? Yeah, and they were able to handle it because they kept – Michigan in a game script they're not used to, and that's trailing uh, and not being able or not wanting to run the ball, being down by two scores for much of that game. And that's sort of the same game script that TCU will need against Georgia. They'll need to play with a lead to sort of keep Georgia aggressive and on their toes and make things a little bit more uncomfortable for the Georgia Bulldogs. But, you know, Georgia really, when they've had a step up in class against offenses over the last two games they played, both LSU 
and Ohio State. This is a defense that gave up 30 points in the SEC championship game and obviously 41 points in the Peach Bowl to Ohio State. TCU's offense is very good, but remember, they played against Big 12 defenses, which aren't very good typically. And the fact that this total is set at 62, odds makers are telling you that they believe TCU can score in this game and probably get close to 30, if not supersede that 30 number overall, and keep this thing a lot closer. We know Georgia can get to 40 because they do it routinely. That's what their offense averages against some of the best defenses in the country in the SEC. So I expect this game to be a little bit more of a shootout type, very similar to what you saw both in the Fiesta Bowl and the Peach Bowl. And if that's the case, Shannon, if I'm getting a shootout, give me two touchdowns here uh, with TCU. Unless Georgia pulls out a defensive effort, similar to what they did against Tennessee, which seems like forever ago when they played in that game, I don't know that Georgia's not going to find themselves in a, you know, pun intended dogfight here. Mm -hmm. You mentioned a high scoring affair. And a lot of that has to do with the quarterback for TCU, Max Duggan, fellow Heisman finalist, along with Stetson Bennett in this one, 282 total yards, four total touchdowns in the game against Michigan. He's a gutsy quarterback. He can run it and he can also stretch the field vertically as well. What kind of a challenge will that be for a Georgia defense that has shown cracks over the last two weeks? It's interesting because I think Georgia is sort of looking in the mirror when they see Max Duggan on the other side of the ball from what they get from Stetson Bennett, right? A guy who's equally as adept with his arm and his legs that makes big plays for his team, that knows how to make plays when the game is on the line. He's proven that throughout the year because TCU has been in so many close games where they've needed the best out of Max Duggan. So they have a high-quality wide receiver in Quinton Johnston, who's going to probably be the first or second receiver off the board, probably a top-10 pick. We saw what mm -hmm. Marvin Harrison was able to do to Georgia before he was injured in that non-targeting targeting call uh, in the Peach Bowl. But So I think Quinton Johnston will be able to do a lot of the same, and Max Duggan will have a, a lot of success. Here's an angle that I definitely will play in this game, though. If you take Max Duggan, on any time touchdown score, meaning a rushing touchdown here at plus 125, I think that number is very good. And since you're on the plus side of it, go ahead and play it. But here's even better, Shannon. Max Duggan to score two or more touchdowns is eight to one. Uh, and I would not be surprised at all to see Max Duggan waltz into the end zone twice. He did it in the Fiesta Bowl. And when they get inside the 10 yard line, TCU, Max Duggan is going to have no problem putting that ball in his hands, tucking it and running and diving for the end zone. I think you'll see him score at least one rushing touchdown, if not two. I think those are both great angles. But Georgia's defense is going to have to contend with the fact that Max Duggan is going to do something a lot of quarterbacks they face this year don't do, and that's keep plays alive with their legs. We saw C.J. Stroud in the Peach Bowl do the same thing. C.J. Stroud doesn't run that much this year, but he did in the semifinal. And if he does that again, if Max Duggan can do that, and, and Georgia's susceptible to that, then Georgia, again, is going to be in a tighter game than many expect. And especially if they get Quinton Johnston going early in the game, that's going to be hard to stop. This secondary has 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 struggled, particularly against C.J. Stroud, as you mentioned. In fact, over the last 138 snaps over the last two games, the Bulldogs have given up 7.36 yards per play. So that secondary for Georgia is kind of an issue. Do you see that defense kind of coming back to life a little bit? Look, you can't take it off the table. I mean, like I just said, they, they absolutely have – it in them to shut down any offense in the country as we saw them do with Tennessee. But again, this goes back to game script for me, Shannon. Mm -hmm. 
if Georgia gets a two-score lead early, you're going to get what I call the Kirby Smart death march, which is where he takes these 10, 12-play drives that take six, seven, eight minutes off the clock. And even if he settles for a field goal, you know what? He considers it a win because what he does is he keeps a potent offense on the sidelines and makes them a lot more tense and, ha- and gives them a lot less room for error because every third down now they've got to convert because if they punt the ball away, Kirby's going to do the same thing again. He'll run, he'll kill the clock, he'll get first down, he'll play field position game and force TCU to go the length of the field. That's the game script Georgia wants defensively is to keep them low scoring early and build a two-score lead so they can go back to doing what they do best. TCU, if you remember, in the Fiesta Bowl, they won the toss. They didn't defer, Shannon. They said, give us the ball. We're going to take the ball. And they went right down the field and put seven on the board. And all of a sudden, Michigan was out of their element, as you saw with that ridiculous double reverse option pass play that he did on fourth and goal from the two-yard line instead of just handing the ball to Donovan Edwards. So if TCU can keep Georgia on their heels and score early and and make Georgia start to be a little bit, you know, sort of uh, uh, a little bit sort of at, you know, defensive on the defensive side of the ball, if that makes sense, then they're going to have a, a big advantage over Georgia. Mark, you said this is going to be an absolute dogfight. The game total in this, 62 and a half. That seems like kind of a low number considering in the Fiesta Bowl and the Peach Bowl, it was 96 and 83 respectively. What do you make of the game total in this game? I was shocked to see it as high as it was. Again, this was the same number that Georgia and Ohio State played to. Now, Ohio State is the highest scoring offense in the country as far as points per game. So there's obviously going to be respect for them. But also, Ohio State is one of the two teams in the nation that can match match Georgia from a talent perspective at every single position. I don't think TCU has the same horses in the barn that Ohio State does. So the fact that oddsmakers are putting this at 62 tells you that they believe that TCU can score in this thing. I would have expected this total to be set in the mid to high 50s, you know, 55, 56, maybe even up to 58. But that's a huge, you know, difference when you get from 56 points and above. You're talking about the difference between uh, eight touchdowns and nine touchdowns needed in the game for this thing to go over. So, you know, when you start seeing teams settle for field goals, that's a huge hit to the over overall. But that's why I really think oddsmakers are sort of telling you with this total that this thing's going to be closer than they think. I mean, could it be a game where Georgia wins this thing 42 to 20? Yes, it could. But that game script to me, Shannon, says that Georgia is up big and a lot of those points that push this thing over get happen in the fourth quarter when the game is out of hand and TCU is just getting a garbage touchdown and Georgia responds with a touchdown back or, you know, TCU is trying to blitz to create a turnover and a guy gets beaten coverage and all of a sudden it's a 50, 60 yard touchdown pass kind of deal. That's the way that that total gets over with Georgia winning and covering this thing. It's just hard when you're laying two touchdowns to get this number to stay under without one team completely dominating. And I'm not sure that TCU is going to get completely dominated because we haven't seen that at all this year. That being said, Mark, what's your pick? I'm going to take TCU with the points here, and I'm going to take the over. I, again, I, I don't think TCU can win an under game here, Shannon. Like, that's a game script that's really tough. They would have – Georgia would have to make a ton of mistakes. Stetson Bennett would have to turn the ball over, which is fairly uncharacteristic of him uh, for the most part. And Georgia would have to beat themselves for TCU to win this, you know, 30-27 to 27 kind of deal. Like, I, I just don't see that game script developing – uh, or I think it's the least likely of game scripts to develop here of all the ones that are out there. So Georgia's going to get to 40 because they always do. And TCU's defense, while good, 
it, it's not enough to stop Georgia from scoring 40 in this game. Georgia gets the 40. I think TCU probably gets in the mid to high 30s. This thing stays within 13 and a half, and the total goes over 62. A great game will be had on Monday night at SoFi Stadium between the Georgia Bulldogs and the Cinderella story that is TCU. Looking forward to it. It seems like the college football board finally got this one right. They did. Again, you know, when you talk about the playoff committee and putting it together, clearly TCU has requited themselves well as being in this thing, despite Alabama's showing uh, in their bowl game against Kansas State. But, you know, I think overall TCU is a team – that deserves to be here and they shouldn't be discounted. A lot of people are sitting here saying the party may be over for TCU. Their luck may have run out Their Their ability to win close games is finally going to go up against a team that doesn't necessarily have to play in a lot of close games. But, you know, for me, it's sort of one of those things where TCU, uh, even if they lose this thing, I find them it, it'll be in a situation where it's in a, in a game that's very, very tight. Well, thank you, Mark. Committee was the word I was looking for. Not, not the board. Gotcha. All right, turning now to the NFL. Obviously, a big cloud hanging over the NFL this week. Week 18 games are still scheduled to go on this weekend. Of course, everyone is just in an absolute state of shock after seeing Jamar Hamlin, the Bills player, have a cardiac arrest on the field in Monday night's game. Heavy hearts in this one. We understand if you are not ready to listen to some analysis of football this week, Totally understand. Just bookmark this and come back to it later when you will. But we will go on and provide some analysis for you in these Week 18 games because there are two wild card spots up for grabs. We're going to talk about who the teams are that can snag those last two golden tickets. Mark, this is going to be a big weekend. And looking at the NFC picture, here's who's in. The Eagles, the 49ers, the Vikings, the Bucks, the Cowboys, and the Giants. In the mix, or in the hunt, if you will, we've got the Seahawks, the Lions, and the Packers. The scenario here is the Seahawks would need to win against the Rams, and the Packers would have to loss or tie against the Lions. The Lions would need a win, Seahawks loss, or tie versus the Rams, and the Packers just win and you're in. That being said, who are you going with for that final spot? Well, I think the Packers have the biggest edge being that they're home and mm-hmm. it's Aaron Rodgers in prime time and it's Aaron Rodgers at home in prime time laying less than a touchdown, which seems almost like a, a gift, a, a late Christmas gift for betters to turn around and go, yeah, I'll lay the four and a half here, especially against one of the worst defenses in the league and statistically the worst defense in the league as far as yards allowed in the Detroit Lions. I mean, the Packers offense has been fantastic as of late. They've been averaging over 27 points a game over their last five games. I feel very confident that Aaron Rodgers and this offense have hit their stride at the right time, and they'll be able to score 27 or 30. The question is, the Lions' high-powered offense, how will they operate outside of a dome? How will they operate in a very hostile environment in a primetime game that a lot of these guys haven't played in at all this year because the Lions aren't a team that you often see in primetime. So all that said, I think the right side there is Green Bay. I'll lay the four and a half with Aaron Rodgers just because of his record in primetime, especially being at home. But furthermore, just because, again, the Lions defense can't be trusted at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And uh, for them to go on the road where they've been bad this year, especially against the number, they've been a good spread team, but they've done much better at home in the cozy confines of Ford Field than they have on the road this year. So give me Aaron, Aaron Rodgers laying the four and a half points uh, as far as one of the teams to get in. What was the other game we were talking about for the wild card? I'm sorry. It slipped my so mind. we've got the Lions and the Packers, and then the Seahawks will play the Rams. I mean, 
is the Baker Mayfield experiment for real at this point? I mean, we saw him put up 50 points on Christmas Day. We saw him score an incredible touchdown against the Raiders who blew that game more than Baker Mayfield and the Rams won it. I don't trust Baker Mayfield at all. Seattle's defense is really problematic, though. They can't stop any legitimate offenses, and that's sort of the real issue here when you look at this. Now, I don't think the Rams are a real offense, but you saw what Seattle was able to do to the Jets last week. Seattle can't stop the run, and I wonder how much the Rams, who don't really have a run game, are going to be able to try to exploit that. I don't think they will. I'll stick with Seattle here in this spot. And again, Seattle's still you know, um, probably going to need some help one way or another uh, from somebody to get in this thing just because Green Bay is the, the win and in team as well. But you know, I, I think Seattle's the right side. Right, Seattle with a bit more motivation. They're playing for a playoff spot where the Rams, I guess Baker Mayfield's playing for a contract in this one. A job, yes. Yeah, employment <laughs> is a motivator, absolutely. That's a great motivator. Let's take a look at the AFC picture. We've got the Chiefs, Bills, Bengals. Interesting game, Jags, Titans. This is a win and you're in game. Win and you're the champion of the AFC South. The Chargers, the Ravens, and in the hunt here is the Patriots, the Dolphins and the Steelers. All the Patriots need to do is beat the Bills. The Dolphins going up against the Jets. They would need a win and they need the Bills to beat the Patriots. The Steelers, this gets a little convoluted. In fact, it reminds me, I don't know if you know that meme of the guy from Always Sunny in Philadelphia where he's got the bulletin board with the strings and the pictures and trying to solve this big mystery and conspiracy. That's kind of how I feel like the Steelers scenario is because they need... To beat the Browns, they need the Jets to beat the Dolphins and the Bills to beat New England. They have the worst odds, as you can imagine, to make that final wild card spot. Who do you see as getting that seventh spot? When we talk about the Jaguars and Titans here, my best piece of advice is to wait and see if this number gets to seven or even seven and a half and then take the Titans here. They're going to start Josh Dobbs again. Now, Josh Dobbs went up against a very good defense in Dallas on Thursday night. Remember, this is the better rested team, by the way, as well. And that matters late in mm-hmm. the season. Uh, and so Tennessee has had some extra time to prepare. Uh, and Josh Dobbs had had some extra time to prepare. When you get this number to seven here, the Titans defense is still very, very good. I know this is a banged up team and offensively they are struggling to score. But there's just not a world where I feel comfortable laying a touchdown with Jacksonville when I've got literally no data points for me to believe that Jacksonville laying seven points to anybody is a smart bet at this point in time. So I want to wait and see if this number gets to seven. If it stays at six and a half, it's probably a pass for me overall in the game. And I'll keep my fingers crossed and hope that the uh, the Titans can pull this one out just because, you know, I kind of like Mike Vrabel and the way he coaches and his team and everything else. But, you know, again, I, I would also look to the under in this game. Um, I, I think when you get to these sort of games that feel like playoff games where everything matters, uh, you're going to see a lot of coaching matter. And Mike Vrabel is best in these spots here. You get seven, give me the Titans and the points in that game. Can the Patriots beat the Bills? This is a real tough one to handicap. What's the Bills mental state going to be like? You know, I mean, uh, apparently they're already starting to go through walkthroughs this week and, and trying to put things back together. And maybe there is this emotional rallying cry for DeMar Hamlin that Buffalo wants to go out and win this game and and certainly put themselves in position to be the number one overall seed, regardless of whether they make up the Bengals game or not. But it's tough for me to believe that a New England offense that's pretty inept uh, under Mac Jones has enough offensive firepower to keep up with Buffalo. Look, I think this is one of these games where you'll know 
within the first five to seven minutes, Shannon, of what Buffalo's mental state is. How sharp are they? How much can they execute? How well have they been focused this whole entire week? I give Sean McDermott all the credit in the world for being one of the better coaches in the league, and this is sort of his specialty. But, you know, this may be a game where you want to live bet it, right? Um, and, and maybe see if the Patriots get an early field goal and you get a better number with Buffalo uh, for them to come back and win this thing. I, I think that's probably the way to go. Buffalo may check out early. If they're not in this game, say, look, we're going to the playoffs. Let's just get everybody off the field, not worry about it, not risk any more injury, not tax our guys emotionally and physically and say we're going to get out of here and focus on the playoffs. I think that's fair and fine. So it's tough from that standpoint. But the bottom line here is this game is about New England's offense. Do you trust them enough to put up 20 to 24 points in this game to go out and win? And yeah, and that face describes it all. That's the answer. No, I, I don't want to do that with my money. So I would lean on Buffalo in this spot, but obviously you have to proceed with caution. All right. So looking at the Dolphins-Jets game, do you <laughs> think the Dolphins have a legitimate shot at that? I don't Seven like the way the Dolphins have played at all on either side of the ball. They've lost five in a row. They just don't look very good. Obviously, they've had some transition at quarterback due to injuries and everything else. It looks like Skylar Thompson, the third-string quarterback, is going to start this game. We saw a sample set of that earlier in the year, how that went. It didn't go so great. So um, this is a Jets team that's still very elite on defense. Uh, how much will Robert Sala have these guys motivated to sort of be like, hey, let's play spoiler. Let's beat a division foe. Let's send them packing. Let's end their season. Let's not give them a glimmer of hope that they even belong in the playoffs. Um, the Jets dominated this team out the last time that they played defensively. I expect that to happen again here. Again, I know motivation sometimes is a factor in week 17, but if you give me that Jets defense, even at 75% against a third string rookie quarterback, I'd probably side with the defense in that spot. You think the Steelers have any shot of getting that wild card? They've yeah. got a 21% chance. I, I, look, I mean, you, you, like you just mentioned, the Dolphins have to lose, very plausible. The Bills have to, uh, to, to beat the Patriots, also very plausible. The Steelers have to take care of business on their own. Uh, Kenny Pickett was fantastic on Sunday Night Football against the Ravens. Uh, I like the way the Steelers are playing offensively. Granted, it's very conservative. It's very sort of, you know, take what they give you. But all that said, you have a young quarterback right now who's got a lot of confidence and an offense that doesn't need to score much to win because their defense is so good. You know, and I think that's really what this boils down to here. The Browns are still trying to figure things out with Deshaun Watson. Their offense has not been great. Don't look at last week against Washington. That was more of a statement about how discombobulated Washington is than necessarily how much Cleveland's offense got things right in that game. We haven't seen a regular Deshaun Watson this year at all. I don't think you see him this week. I think the Steelers win and cover that short number of two and a half. I like the Steelers this week to cover the field goal. How about the job Mike Tomlin has done this season, piecing these wins together on the verge of a playoff spot when at the beginning of the season, nobody expected the Steelers to be at all competitive, especially with a rookie quarterback. And I'll add one more thing with Mike Tomlin. I mean, again, he's eight and eight right now. He's facing his first ever losing season. Whether he admits it or not, that sort of stuff matters. It always matters, right? He's Mike Tomlin is the one of the most prepared coaches in the league. You often never see his team get resoundingly beat, especially by teams that aren't that good. Like when they lose 38-3 to to Buffalo, you're sort of like, okay, Buffalo is just a lot better than Pittsburgh. We get that. But they're not going to get blown out by Cleveland. They're going to be prepared for this game. Mike Tomlin obviously wants to win this thing. You get a short number like that, I think Pittsburgh is the team to play here. Lastly, I know you like the Titans and taking the points there, but do you think the Titans are going to outright win and take the crown there in the AFC South? I mean, that's a, it's an excellent Holding question. Holding you to it here. <laughs> yeah, no, I, mean, I trust Mike Vrabel and his defense. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. If they can get Derrick Henry running, and Derrick Henry's had good success 
against the Jaguars throughout his career. If Derrick Henry can control this game, that's the huge if. If they rely on the run and, and there are, there's room for him to run, then Derrick Henry can win any game because he can put the team on his back and absolutely control them for four quarters. That's really, again, look early to see how much the Titans are able to run the ball. Uh, this may be scoreless early, but if you're not seeing Derrick Henry eat up chunks of yards, I would get very nervous about um, – you know, the Titans being able to win this thing. Look, and the other thing, too, you have to remember here in this game, the Titans cannot play from behind. They just do not have the offense to catch up. They don't have the passing game. They don't have the receivers. They don't have the bodies right now. They're too injured. So if the Jaguars get a lead and you're constantly chasing, I don't think the Titans can win this thing. If the Titans are playing with a lead, whether it's even only by three or even by one, seven, six, whatever it may be, 10-9, they're still in an advantageous position where all they need is one score to go take a lead. Then I think the Titans can win it. But game script-wise, if they fall behind by more than a touchdown, I think they're done. As far as winning the game. There you go. I like your conviction with the Titans. Bold pick there from Mark Zeno. Thank you, Mark, for joining us. You can catch Mark on PixY Sports Grid and VSIN. Thanks so much, Mark. We really appreciate your analysis. Shannon, thank you for having me. All right. You can catch us also on YouTube. Make sure you are subscribed to our channel and you like this video and comment below really helps us out. Good luck to you in all of your sports betting endeavors this weekend. And thanks to Mark for joining us on this show. Good luck. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Mark.